tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed, and a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to Tinfoil Hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. And welcome to Tinfoil Hat. You know who I am. You know what I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. Okay. It's getting bad at this point. Uh, everybody, thanks for joining us. Uh, very excited show. Uh, this is going to cap off our week of murderers here on the show. We've uh, banged out the best in the biz. And this uh, next guest is a giant part of that. Uh, real quick, guys, go check out tinfoilhattshirts.com. Okay, and you'll see the new Why Such a Sheep t-shirts are up. That's right, the Joker t-shirts. That's good to go. The Patreon's on fire. Uh, daily doses every day, 30-minute hit and quit it. That's patreon.com, tin foil hat. So uh, we'll get into the rest of it a little later. Uh, very excited to have our next guest on. Uh, he's got a great podcast called You're Welcome. Please welcome Michael Malice. How are you, brother? I brought my own hat. Dude, put it on. It looks good. I'd love to see it. We need it. There we go. I love Bro. it. I love like it. Motherland. Brother, I love your haircut. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm getting real close to go full mohawk and just leaning into me, okay? So, I just learned this week how to straighten my Jew hair. Well, not this week, but recently. And now I'm going down this Japanese hair wax rabbit hole to see what kind of funky things I could do with it. Dude, live that anime life, bro. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Why not? Dude. What do I care? I don't have a job. Yeah. Fucking, let me look like some kind of like 15-year-old like drug dealer 80s movie fantasy. I'm all in, dude. I'm, you get your Fast and Furious on, dog. Um, <laughs> yes. Thank you for joining us. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. For those who don't know or haven't listened to it, tell us a little bit about your welcome. It's both unlistenable and unwatchable. I no, it's, I'm over at Gas with uh, you know, uh, Lewis and Ralph, Ralph Sutton, Lewis, J. Gomez, and Dave Smith's on as well, these gangs. Uh, no, I just, it's just a weekly interview show where just, you know, I hang. Uh, that's where we met. We met at Skankfest. How many times you get some, like, uh, maybe, like, hard six or hard seven chick hit you up and tell you you spelled your wrong on the title of your podcast? It's dudes. <laughs> and it's never the chicks. Uh, and it's really kind of like it saddens me every time because a lot of times they'll actually, they, this is what they always do. They'll be like, oh, you spelled your podcast name wrong. And then include a link like to an article explaining the difference between your and your as if just telling me as an author, like, I don't understand what you're saying. Oh, maybe this article can explain things that we all learned in second grade. It's, it's unbelievable, dude, how people just love to, like, correct bullshit, dude. Yeah, but it also is like, wow, you're proud of yourself for having a second grade education. That's not a <laughs> testament to your intelligence. It is truly amazing. Uh, so I'm super happy to have you on, man. Uh, you know, I, 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 I see your posts. I retweet you a lot. Uh, I, what is your take on Donald Trump? 
Oh, I mean, we are living in the best other before this coronavirus hit. We were in the best timeline because to watch the carnage, to watch the mayhem. I bet you you grew up like me watching WWF. Oh, yeah, so for sure. Seeing this kind of like him coming out as like this heel and you know, just having it work every single time. Every like, time. Like I haven't watched wrestling since I was a kid. I'm, I'm buddies with Dolph Ziggler and he invited me to a mess for garden. Why did you stop watching real quick? Why did you stop? I stopped uh, my, my because it got hurt. too homoerotic. <laughs> I, like <laughs> I, I like the dad bods, there. dude. I'm all about Sergeant Slaughter looking hungover, coming out with like me right now with my shirt off. My kids must be like my dad looks like an '80s wrestler right now. You know, like I've just got man utters and I'm I'm sloppy, dude. I was the reason I still have this streak in my hair is I was on Dave Rubin's show and I was dressed like Tulsi Gabbard, so I did the whole look from head to toe. And I stole a thing from the Honky Tonk Man. The Honky Tonk Man was a wrestler from the 80s, right? And he was an Elvis impersonator. And when he was being interviewed, he insisted that Elvis stole his act, which didn't make any sense because Elvis had been long dead. And only in retrospect, I'm like, holy shit, that's brilliant. To be like, he, go, he stole my moves, what, 40 years ago? So I was on Ruben saying Tulsi stole my look and that she's such a lunatic. She even put a bleach in her hair to look more like me. It's this despicable. But anyway, back to Trump. It's so entertaining to watch how people who think they are smarter than you, better than you, uh, just will run the table on you in every way. Just ask them uh, to devolve into like complete. Uh, I, I, was, I had this line ready for Rogan. I didn't get to use it. Uh, it was all Christmas. And these people working for like the FBI. We're tweeting out like, "Twas the night before Christmas." Nursery rhymes about Trump. I'm like, not only has he brought you down to the like the elementary school level, he's brought you down to the school level with the short with the kids in the wheelchairs. <laughs> like, you are really sunk so low, but you think of yourself as so high, and I think that's very useful because we're all taught since we're kids that all right, maybe I'm not educated, maybe I'm not smart. The educated, smart people know what they're doing. They have our best interest in mind. And now you watch the mass drop and you're like, not only are these people not that bright, they are really nasty, yeah. despicable people. And he's shown that. And that's a great compliment to him. I've learned in the last four years that there's a difference between uh, maybe intellect and smart. You know, there's a difference between being obviously book smart and street smart. And some of the, the best writers, I mean, I know friends that you give them a project They'll bang out uh, like a masterpiece for you, but they wouldn't know anything about the streets. And it, that sounds like it's not important, but in politics, it seems to be everything. And the ability to actually see what's going on. Like, you know, for me, it's my spider senses. Like when this, co this, this virus hit, my spider senses told me, this feels just like weapons of mass destruction. We have these experts telling us something that does not add up and we're buying it because as human beings, not just Americans, but as human beings, we're very, very trusting. And it takes some paranoid drug addict, sex addicted, <laughs> crazy person to go, this isn't matching up. Like the numbers don't fit the hysteria. And uh, the tweets come in, Oh dude, in two weeks, you're going to regret this, bro. Whoa, you're going to regret this tweet in a month. And at the, uh, this is a month and a half, if not two months later, I'm saying the exact same thing. Yeah. 
Uh, Beating in New York, what's your whole feeling on? One of my heroes is H.L. Mencken, who was a a, a, a kind of talking head of his day in the 1920s. And one of his quotes that I always go to is he said, the average man does not want to be free. He simply wants to be safe. So if you give people a choice between go outside, leave the cave, and hunt for your food, but there's a risk you're going to die, or sit by the fire and have the other guys bring you the food and you never leave your cave, nine people out of 10 are going to choose that cave. And they'll do it gladly. And they'll say, make the cage smaller. It's too big of a space, right? Like this. So one of the things I always tell people to do to study politics isn't to read Republican or Democrat. It's to watch the dog whisperer. Because human beings and dogs evolved simultaneously. We affect each other's minds. And one of the things he talks about is, uh, I don't know if it's exclusive to him, but like when you have a dog, a lot of times they're happier to be locked in a room when you're gone than the whole house because now they just have to protect that room, right? Human beings don't feel comfortable, most people, having that freedom. And they don't even have the capacity, wouldn't know what to do with it. So yeah, uh, New York, it was really, really bad. I've been a New Yorker all my life um, since I was like one and a half and moved here. And it was much worse than 9-11 because at 9-11, people were in the streets, uh, everyone was supportive of each other. You're walking around, you'd see the signs of people who had been lost. There, there was a community, a sense of mourning, and it was brief. Here, I, Sam, I can't tell you. It was like being in a movie. When you're walking around New York and no one's there, I, I said this example before. I said, I felt like I was in one of those TV shows where you're in the wrong timeline and the president's an ant. And you're like, guys, no, no, no. This is the wrong timeline. The president's supposed to be Trump. And they're like, what, the TV guy? Okay. And you're like, we have to go back to that timeline. And they're like, we like this timeline with President Ant. And I'm like, this is wrong. So it's still does a number on me uh, just yesterday. And here's the other thing, speaking to your point, when you have these kind of draconian rules in place, it allows the worst kind of people to indulge their worst kinds of behavior and feel good about themselves for doing it. I was on the train and there was an Asian dude in his 20s. He was dressed very Western. He wasn't in some kind of rickshaw outfit with the fucking hat. (laughs) And this older white dude gets up, stands over him, I put this on my Instagram, screaming him in the face, in his face, go back to where you come from. Where's your mask? You're not making us feel safe. And challenge him to fight. And I'm just like, you're a, don't go near him. Fine. You think this guy has every disease on earth? Go away. Just get six feet away from him. Why are you getting in his face? No one else is on this fucking train. You think you're a good guy for screaming at someone? In a, Dumb in a, always in a ruins fight. everything. Dumb <laughs> always ruins everything. Every, you know, this video's going around of this young black man being shot by two of okay. father and son. And you, you just can't put out, hey, man, we should support these people in this moment. You know, whether he w- whether these guys shot him in cold blood, which it looks like, or this guy was doing a string of robberies, there needs to be a trial. You know, we don't, we don't live in a world where you could just walk into the middle of the street and shoot somebody because... Rumor is somebody's pulling something in the neighborhood. And by the way, whenever a white person gets in trouble, the first, the first argument, the first excuse is it was a black guy. And that's the same thing was done when that mom put the two kids in the, in the fucking car and drove them into the, into the lake. She said a black guy did it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The same thing done over and over again. And dude, I don't listen. If that guy breaks into your house, you, as by law, you have a right to defend yourself in the middle of the street. Just saying, how do we do it around here? 
And listen, man, and listen, everybody get mad and everybody making fun of the protesters who want to uh, who want to open it up, who are actually fighting for your rights for your first and second amendment. And they're and you're getting mad people are mocking you for that. This is why they mock you. Because when someone gets shot in cold blood, you sit there going, "Oh, but he was robbing places." You don't know that. And then you bring up this that he might be this guy that brought a gun to a gym. I got arrested for buying drugs. When I, one day, and I spent a night in jail. That was the lowest point of my life, okay? But I've also raised almost $300,000 for charity work. Which moment should, which picture should be put up of me at, at a moment where I get shot down? What is, what defines me? We're defining these people by this one moment where they did something stupid. And it's just like, this is why we never get along, is these lizard peoples get us all to fight with each other. Yeah, but that's what they're doing right now. Right now. Well, that's what they're doing right now. Have you seen um, in New York, do they not have, it's not a protest, it's black people and cops. All of a sudden they're confiscating, they're not even, it's not a protest, and what happens? This guy ends up slapping this guy, they end up fighting over who's, they're just fighting over nothing when the white people in Huntington Beach are protesting and no one gives a fuck. What's open right now? Huntington Beach and Newport Beach are open. Is Chicago open? Or anywhere where black people are open up? Yeah. No, which means who's got to go out? It's all seems to protest. White people got to go out and protest. Blacks and Mexicans are going to get shot. The only well, people I, that can do anything is Georgia, Florida, Huntington Beach, Newport Beach. Who lives there? I, I, yeah, but I, but I, XG, XG, you were at the protest I was at. There's a ton of Mexicans and there were a ton oh, yeah. of blacks at it. Can I tell no, you? Oh, yeah, but what's the hold majority on, Mike, though? Hold on, like, hold on, people. XG. What, Michael? So I was just covering this in my show Nightshade on Compound just today. Al Sharpton had a segment on his show on MSNBC, and he had his MSNBC contributor, and she was making the claim that the protesters only started protesting when news came out that the coronavirus was disproportionately affecting black and brown people. And he said with a straight face, there were no black and brown people at these protests. And I I asked, I'm like, wait a minute, the first people who are getting fired are black and brown people. If you keep the economy closed, especially people who are undocumented, they are really fucked. Because if you don't have the papers and you have no sense of uh, political security, you're really in a jam. Uh, you don't have the money to get home if you wanted to. But it's all about this kind of bougie sense of entitlement. And when you're worried about disproportionate poor, uh, uh, black and Latino, you're worried about poor people. And poor people are always really the ones who get fucked. And they're the ones who are pawns uh, in the political game. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And it just be, and I don't know how Al Sharpton is still a voice to listen to when it's become out that he's straight up FBI. Yeah. He's controlled opposition. I don't know how Jesse Jackson is still allowed to talk when he's basically been lay, been, been pointed out that he brought Martin Luther King to the hotel. Martin Luther King didn't want to go to the hotel. He brought him to the hotel and him and the other guy openly admit they step aside so they can get an open shot. It's crazy, but it doesn't matter because when you're poor and when you're broke and it seems like you have no hope, you want to blame it on somebody else. And listen, dude, there's a history of institutional racism. I am not saying that doesn't exist. Anyone who says that doesn't understand history. And black history is white future. That's my God honest truth. Man, what they're doing with heroin is what they did to the black community with crack. That's my honest to God opinion, okay? But if people don't start waking up, 
that what happened to that man getting shot by that dad isn't a black white thing. That's a hate thing. Okay. And the most of the, I see more white people talking about outrage about that than anybody else. And it just, and it just makes me sad because there's always going to be people that want to break it down to black and white when it's rich versus poor. And that's my opinion. And racism like that happens is a byproduct of classism. Yeah, Whether you join a gang or a white supremacy group, you join because you, you feel you have no hope and you want to get somebody, you want to join a group that's going to tell you it's going to be all right. We love you and you can thrive with us. And that's, yeah. there's no difference between a gang and, and, and a look, fucking clan. Yeah, look at jails. It's, it's not like black gangs and the white people are playing chess. It's going to be the white nationalists. Um, so, and it also gives them a sense of community and a sense of security. So did you see what the guy from the Young Turks uh, tweeted out he was trending the other day uh, jenk Weger. I, I always pronounce his name i want to fight that dude i will fight him for charity that fat but, fuck go on but he was making the comment that like he like these he's like f the red states like uh you know like they're just getting all the these welfare queens he used that term are just getting the money from the blue states and i'm like you know welfare queens was a racist term supposedly used for decades oh when reagan said he was being racist and it's like every anti, Jim Goat pointed this out, and I talk about it in my book, every anti-black stereotype against poor rural blacks overnight became poor rural whites. They're inbred, missing their teeth, uh, look at the crazy food they eat, uh, uh, you know, uh, hillbillies, illiterate, uneducated, barefoot, same exact stereotype, but the same exact people. It's these people who are in a position of power. And now I'm delighted because these people in a position of power are in a position of rage. Because so many Americans are saying, yeah, I'm not going to do what you want. And I'm not even going to pretend I respect you so you can just blow me. And they don't know what to do about that because they've never because it used to be people would disagree with them respectfully. Because if you're being disrespectful, you can't get on TV. Right. You have to have that reason debate. And now on social media, it's like, yeah, um, blow me. And uh, here's the alternative. You could also blow me. And they don't know what to do with this because they work for The New York Times and they are rarefied. And now over and over at a certain point, it gets to them. And you can only dismiss it as trolls so much until you realize uh, maybe some of them don't get it ever, but some realize the level of animus that people have toward you. Uh, the way some kids from the Citadel are playing the circle game and you're going to have headlines calling them white nationalists. I mean, this is not, it's, it's shameless. It's unbelievable. And you know, what, what has happened to age? Like when you talk about, this, you know, this gentleman in the subway who gets uh, uh, confronted by this, this idiot, okay? Yeah. And, and everybody on Twitter and the internet, don't call it Chinese flu. Uh, the Chinese people didn't do it. It's the Chinese government. And I'm like, well, welcome to being a white guy on Twitter since it started. And you're blaming all white people for everything that the government's doing. I'm from upstate New York, dude. I, well, my mom used to talk about kids, white kids every day coming. No clean clothes, no clean underwear, not showered, nothing to eat, drug addicted parents, got no chance in life, came out. I mean, people in my own family came out of the womb with two strikes against them and they never had a chance, man. And it just sucks because people don't want to look at it. Dude, it's not color. It's not color. Yes, the government, is, there's a lot of white people in government, okay? There's a lot of white people. That doesn't mean they're allowed at, that every white person's allowed at the fucking country club, dude. And that's the fight we got going on. I want to get into uh, North Korea with you real quick, but I want to say today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Raycon. All right? 
You already know Raycon earbuds are about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just amazing and as any of the other top brands. Right, Martha? Yep. Okay. The newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are the best ones yet. Six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, and more bass, and, and compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. Martha uses it to never hear me talk ever. Raycon wireless earbuds are so comfortable and perfect. Comfort calls or binging your favorite podcast. Unlike your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet and non-dangling wires and stems to distract you from d- during your video calls. All right. I mean, huge celebrities love it. And you know what? The baby's mama loves it. So God bless her. So if the baby mamas love it, it's good enough for everybody else. So here's what we need you to do. Now the time is to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash Sam. Okay, that's buy, B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash Sam for 15% off your Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash Sam. The ladies love it. Uh, Michael, I want to get into you. You, you kind of talk, uh, sent me an email. We talked about what we want to talk about. One was North Korea and whatever's going on with that. Uh, you know, the leader leaves and then he comes back. I, you know, it's going to be a religious holiday in North Korea. It's going to be like their Jesus Christ resurrection. What's your thoughts on that whole thing? Uh, North Korea is a very complicated uh, uh, situation, obviously a very unique country. So the first point I would make is your Facebook friends don't know what they're talking about and your Twitter friends don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and for those of us who have a background on this subject, it's really kind of frustrating to, uh, one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of democracy, it's this idea that we have that everyone has to have an opinion on everything. And it's like, if you don't know about some other country, that's cool. You don't have to know. Uh, if you think that, it's funny because they're like, oh, you know, I think that if something happens to Kim Jong-un, it's going to be his sister. I'm like, can you name one other person in the North Korean leadership? Can you name his sister? And you can't. So you don't need to be flapping your gums. Uh, but, you know, he didn't die. Uh, now, there's one rumor that he's doing this to weed out uh, the traitors in his myths. But even at the time, the story seemed ridiculous. The guy's a billionaire. Uh, there's a hospital system there dedicated just to prolonging his life. Yes, he's overweight. When's the last time you heard of a 36-year-old billionaire dying on the table? I don't think that happens, and especially when you have access to literally the world's best doctor and price is no object. Um, and it was also amazing. People were like, oh, he's vanished. This has never happened before. Hey, you know what also hasn't happened before? Eight million New Yorkers being in their house and no one on the street. It's th- the way they report these things without any context whatsoever. It's like, why would Kim Jong-un be avoiding crowds? There must be something wrong with the power system there. I'm like, are you, and, and people will go out on Twitter and repeat this with a straight face, and there's no capacity for uh, critical thought. Um, but, you know, talk about tinfoil hat. That is a country where there really has been a decades-long conspiracy by the leaders at the top to do this to these people. It didn't happen overnight. This has been very systemic uh, and very, very dark, uh, what, what's been done to that nation. Um. Are you a Q guy at all? Do you think Q is what? Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Because there's been a lot of talk about what North Korea is in the Q drops. Oh, I want to hear about that. What they say? Uh, uh well, there's a belief that nor uh, that uh, that North Korea 
is kind of been used as a um, puppet for the United States, for whatever they want to drum up the fear of war, the fear of attacks by nuclear weapons, that they kind of get that country to say, there's a belief that it's possible that, that the leadership there has just been controlled opposition from the start. There was something that there's a secret base there, a giant hotel, and it was like, follow the rabbit. And there's like some weird kind of like base that looks like a hair uh, that dropped. That was at the beginning. Of, okay, um, so let, let me deconstruct that. First of all, they from the beginning, they were controlled opposition, but they were a Stalinist country. The Russians installed the great leader Kim Il-sung, the founder of North Korea after World War II, and they were very much there at Stalin's uh, whim. Um, in fact, when Kim Il-sung invaded South Korea and launched the Korean War, he only did this after begging Stalin for permission. We have the letters that he sent to Stalin and in fact, when there was drama between China and North Korea in recent decades, they put some of these things on display, letters with him and Mao being like, yo, we need backup. Um, so that there's absolute truth to that. Uh, the fact that they're on, there is a giant hotel, the, it, it's the largest edifice in North Korea. And I, I think maybe even in the Eastern Hemisphere for a while, it's, it's gigantic. It's also structurally unsound. So for a long time, it just loomed over the entire capital city and they wouldn't even have it in their photographs because it's such an eyesore <laughs> they recently put up video screens all around it uh but i still th- i still think uh, my understanding is internally it's still not functional uh, like in terms of, like the hotel sh- the elevator shafts that even are not even straight um in terms of this se- secret base i don't know but they've done things like kidnap u.s soldiers uh they uh killed americans at the dmz in the 70s um i, I if they're Control, they would be far more controlled by China than they would be uh, um, with the U.S. And China has complained in the past that they're a bit of a, a, a loose cannon. But I don't think, I mean, in terms of threats of drumming of war, I, I, my understanding from what I see in the press, that's much more having to do with like the Middle East than with, I, it doesn't seem like anyone is hungry to go to war with North Korea on either side. Well, you, you know, remember there was this small period either I think it was in Trump's first year when, you know, it went North Korea with bombs, Nazis, communists. Uh, you know, it was just like everything was something was under your bed and it was ready to attack and everybody fascist, Nazis, you know, North Korea, nuclear. Bomb, and it was just a bombardment by the media to get everybody to think that Trump's presidency was causing the worst situations in the world. Uh, why do you still think anybody listens to the mainstream media? I had guys on Twitter reposting Rachel Maddow's clips uh, involving COVID and the, and, uh, and the virus. I don't know anyone who has a worse batting average than Rachel Maddow in the last four to five years. I don't know anything she's actually gotten right that would warrant you still watching. What is America's addiction to these networks that give us our news? Sure. Uh, We're taught since kindergarten to look to the corporate press as answers for our information. And we're also taught since kindergarten to not trust our own judgment, but to trust the judgment when it comes to both facts and analysis to the authority figure at the front of the room. This was the design of public education. They call it making good citizens, but that's just a euphemism for 
breaking children and making them malleable, uh, subordinate, and submissive. They, they got this idea from Prussia, uh, which installed this in the mid-1800s. And you're seeing this very well happening to today. If you try to talk to, for example, let's talk, you want to talk tinfoil hat, let's talk the CIA and operation was at Mockingbird. Yeah. Um, when, yeah. This is something that I had this tweet, this one of my tweets that went wide. I said, you can talk about blacks, whites, the Klan, the NRA, the ATF, the cops, the military, the president, the Supreme Court, um, any of these institutions. Only when you mention the CIA is immediately your sanity called into question. Isn't that interesting? Literally any other organization, you could say these people are doing fucking things. And in fact, it's to the point where if you tell someone the CIA admitted to doing these horrible things, here's the data, they will still like at you like a crazy person. So it, uh, this has been, it takes a lot of work to train an entire population to perceive information in a certain specific way. And, but this has been going on for over a hundred years. Thankfully, thanks to social media, um, it's falling apart much quicker than I dared hope, uh, dared hope. And I am frankly giddy at the prospects for the future of this country. Well, you the mainstream are... media, right now, oh, go on. the mainstream media right now is posting all coronavirus stuff. I don't know if you guys heard that uh, Venezuela caught some some CIA agents that were trying to take Merlo down, and they're saying that Trump sent them. And mainstream media is not talking about it. All they're oh, saying, yeah, if you dude. do look, and if you do look into it, they're saying they're patsies. That they're patsies. That they work on their own. That Trump has nothing on it. But if you ask them, guys, those two guys personally said that they were sent. I'm not hearing about well, it. Well, I don't know. I mean, I like, why it? would they say that? I mean, I think they were sent by the powers that be, the military-industrial complex, the neocons, the neoliberals, the people who, for some reason, want to take most likely the oil, even though I think oil, honestly, in my opinion, is just an excuse given for why I like. For me, the Middle East, I think it's more than oil. I think it's Mesopotamia. Uh, I think there's a lot of ancient ancient knowledge in there that they want to control that and there's something about that area so i 100 percent believe we were sent out what uh, michael what, do you have any thoughts on what what happened down there well i think I, I mean the thing when you're dealing with these dictatorships it's it's uh it's kind of that line about show me the man i'll show you the crime it's very easy when you arrest someone in a country where human rights means nothing to get people to say what you want and it would be of enormous use uh, for them when things are falling apart to see, look, it, this happens in North Korea, it happens in many other countries. They'll say you're starving because it's the U.S.'s fault. It, it, they will always find ways to abdicate responsibility for what they're doing to their own people. I don't think the CIA is that sloppy. I don't think if they sent two people down there, those guys would get caught or cop to it. That, that doesn't add up to me. That's interesting. That's in, do you think any of this embargo that we've heard, heard people talking about with Trump, uh, the $15 million head on uh, a hit on uh, the leader's head. Do you, do you buy into any of that at all? Because it does seem along the lines of what we've done in particularly the Latin America over, yeah, over the century. In Latin America, we usually go in ourselves and it's not even that much of a secret, like with, with Panama and Nicaragua and all these other places, uh, or uh, which where, where was, um, what's that? Noriega. He was Panama, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah. We go in and, and we take care of business in full light the cameras. I think the problem is when the United States decides to upend governments in other countries, historically, maybe they did it a little more secretly. In more recent decades, they do it proudly. They do it, you know, on TV and, and they say this is the greatest thing ever. And everyone at home smiles and nods because we don't give a fuck about people from other countries. 
uh, and it's you know the guys in you know wearing their camo camo and my buddy at the mall wears camo so therefore we're on the same team and this is great and yeah sure there's gonna be some widows and orphans and but what are you gonna do you know you can't not have widows and orphans so i think a lot of times um if you're trying to look for things behind the scenes it's usually much more brazen uh, i can understand that uh for sure so we've been talking about i'll give you, you know, one more example hold on i, re- I, I you're, you're I, we, we're old enough to remember i remember this very distinctly before 9 11 that first nine uh eight months of president bush's uh white house the second president bush they were openly talking about taking out Saddam. This wasn't something that happened after 9-11. That gave them the excuse. But this was an issue that was bubbling under in the press at the time where they're like, all right, this is under consideration. Do we take this guy out? So 9-11 gave them kind of like allowed them to get it over. But it's not what gave them the idea. Who is your wor- If you had to go on your Mount Rushmore of worst presidents, who would, who would fit on your Mount Rushmore. I have my Mount Rushmore, oh, but I'd love to hear yours. It's obviously Wilson. Yeah, Woodrow Wilson for sure. What, with a bullet. Like he, he's the Godzilla. <laughs> to these. No number two. I don't even know who number two would be. Uh, well, I would put, I would, I would put for me the top four, Woodrow Wilson okay. number one, and then it's like a debate between the two Bushes and uh, Bill Clinton, in my honest opinion. I feel that the economic uh, uh, basically bills that Bill Clinton passed. It's like crushing us right now. The deregulation of the media, the uh, free trade, all these things are just like really fucking us in the ass right now, in my honest opinion. And then, you know, George Bush Sr. is just, I mean, we, we, people don't realize what a complex, evil human being that guy was. Like from who his parents were, to who his wife was to like like the thing like most likely closeted gay and that's a whole thing in the conspiracy world that i push back on really hard there seems to be this homophobia that drives me nuts and because there are some closeted people and i think they get blackmailed because they're gay it's not they're evil because they're closeted but they're closeted and then these powers that be use them and most a lot of guys involved in jfk uh, and Truman, with and gay, Truman so. this happened also. This was a thing in the post-World War II era. A lot of these people turned communists because the communists were blackmailing them. Yeah, yeah. And we see it happen all know. the time. And then Bill Clinton, my, I've always said on the show, most likely Bill Clinton is the Andy Dick of the White House. Just <laughs> wants to hit some holes and make some, have some fun. I mean, if you listen to the Epstein victims, they, and nobody talks about this. They're like, Bill Clinton really didn't fuck with us, man. He was always fooling around with the boys. And that's a really interesting thing because no, no, most of the Epstein victims that we talk about are, are like teenage girls, like into their like 13, 14, 15, most 15, 16, excuse me, more 15, 16 with this kind of notion, like, come on, dude, the girls that, you know, girl, come on, dude, you know, you know, it's like David Cross's joke, like, Hey, if teenage boys can hit it, why can't I hit it? I'm better at it, right? That it's almost that wink and nod that's like kind of really disgusting. Nobody really talks about uh, that there were boys there as well. What's your whole take on Epstein, the murder, and all that stuff? Oh, we yeah. didn't actually hear the end of your. Who are your top four? 
And then we'll I don't even that. know who number two would be. I got to tell you, Wilson is so head and shoulders above everybody else. Like you can easily make the argument that FDR was a good guy because it could have been a lot worse, right? Like he, it's kind of like something is bad. That doesn't mean the alternative is better. The alternative could be, uh, it could have been a complete fascist, like Hitler type takeover. Maybe not Hitler type, but certainly a Mussolini type of situation. And he was not an ideologue in the sense that uh, Woodrow Wilson was. Um, and, and Wilson's consequences just resound with us to this day. The concept that, you know, we have to make it our business if any country anywhere in the world is having a problem. And it's not only okay, but expected that we're going to send our boys over there and fix things up to make it look like we like, but we're not interested in world domination at the same time. It's like, listen, if every place in the world is your business, that's what domination means. If I'm in your house, Sam, and I'm going to make the living room look like I want and the bedroom and the bathroom and the kitchen, it's my house, you know, even if you happen to live there. Um, so he's by far uh, uh, um, number one. This stuff with um, Jeffrey Epstein, I've made this point on several shows. Uh, I was born in the Soviet Union. I came here when I was one and a half. I think Americans are very, very naive when it comes to the nature of power and what power, what, what type of people are drawn to power and what it does to people. It's not like powerful people like, oh, I'm going to get my brother a job and he's going to get 180 a year and he's not going to have to show up. Who cares? That's not a problem. It's that they do really things that you and I would just consider absolutely demented yeah. and they get off on the fact that they're doing it and that they're often doing it brazenly in public and no one will not only call them on it, but people who have never met them, strangers, will fight you tooth and nail and will tell you with a straight face, he could never do such a thing. I know this guy, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, you see him on TV. That's like saying, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger because you've seen the Terminator. That doesn't make any sense. But they will tell you this until they're blue in the face and they will die for these people often, quite literally sometimes. So uh, with regards to the Epstein thing, I, I, uh, I, I've been talking about this a bit. Uh, I was on Rogan and I was talking about how a buddy of mine came out to me as being the victim of uh, uh, childhood sexual abuse. And I said, it's very important that people like that feel comfortable talking to their friends about it because it's not right that they can live their entire lives in shame and have to be like, oh, if I tell my buddy, is he going to think I'm a freak? Is he going to think I'm weird? You know, if I told you, for example, this isn't true, but my mom's an alcoholic or my dad left, you'd feel bad for me. It wouldn't be awkward. But when you tell someone I was the victim of this, you don't know how to react. And that makes them victims even as adults. And after I said this, three more of my friends came out to me privately that they've been the victims of this. And I'm like, holy shit, if I know at least four people, that means this is a lot more common than people realize, number one. And number two is predators go to where the prey is. They're not going to just wandering around some randomly. They're going to go where there are child-heavy environments, which means things like schools, which means things like coaching. And the thing is, not only do they get all, it's not like they fall in love with one kid. All of these guys, they're, it's serial. These are dozens, if not hundreds, over years. Here's something else that's amazing. Every weapon that the parties have, they will use against each other when the opportunity comes up, even when they have to make it up, right? Dennis Hastert was Speaker of the House in the 2000s. He was third in line for the presidency. He went to jail for pedophilia. No one is throwing this in the Republicans' face. Yeah, I find that sure. very, very odd that they're not like, you guys can't talk. You had a pedophile the Speaker of the House. Scandal. It's what? The Franklin scandal. I mean, that's a giant, that involves George Bush in the Boys Town and in Nebraska and how George Bush basically got busted with underage boy hookers in the White House. Nobody ever brings that up. Larry King, 
Nobody ever talks about that. Yeah, so this, this sort of thing happens more frequently, and, and part of it is the media doesn't want to report it, uh, but part of it's that Amy Rohrbach stuff. Like, they want to focus, I did this, this, this meme, and it's like, do you want to talk about how many fucking typos Trump has on Twitter, or do you want to talk about that one of the big four networks knew that there is a sexual predator who's pimping out underage girls to powerful people, had the receipts, had the names, and killed it? For years, and maybe you could say legally they have to kill it or else he's going to bring down the fury of God via lawsuits. Fine. Then you leak it to the authorities if you've got to cover your ass or you leak it to a rival organization. And none of that happened. And the thing is, none of these people had consequences. So that is when you're like, even if you're telling me at the, the surface value story, it's still screwed up beyond belief. Well, it's also that, you know, the, the guy making the call is on the travel logs, the flight logs. Like he's, you're, you're pitching a guy that he's gone to an island that's known for very, very, you know, shady shit. And he's on the logs and now he's killing a story on top of that. And now we got Bill Gates who is suddenly become our, our, our national uh, witch doctor. He is the, you know, he has no medical degree, uh, didn't graduate college. His, and we're hearing how he's the smartest guy ever. and. The more and more I get told somebody's a good dude, the more and more I've learned in, in this show business world, entertainment, uh, mainstream media, that it's probably the opposite. Outside of, of, uh, of uh, Mr. Rogers, and I'm still waiting for that <laughs> shoe to drop, that that guy's a shady motherfucker. But, I'm still, but outside of him, it seems to be if I'm told you're a good guy, you're really behind the scene's a psychopath. You know, my, my opinion is like I'm uh, Adam Silver from the NBA, the guy who kick-started this whole lockdown bullshit. And, you know, everyone, he's the best commissioner of all time. Dude, the ratings are down, and he kick-started a lockout in this country to kiss the Chinese ass, and I don't think he's a good guy. But if you listen to the media, he's the greatest NBA, he's the greatest commissioner we've ever seen. We see it happen more and more with, especially in particular, Bill Gates, who I believe this whole thing is starting to crash on him a lot quicker than they thought it was. And he's either insulated from what's happening to him on the internet, or he's just so like, oh, fuck, I got to make this happen quicker that he's still out there acting like people are dying in the streets. Do you remember the videos coming from China where people were just fainting in the streets? That never happened here. And we're supposedly got the worst in everybody else. What's your thoughts on Bill? Wait up. Wait up. I know you don't watch Netflix, but he just got a documentary on Netflix, too. What a coincidence. He's got a documentary and there's a corona epidemic, right? Like literally three months apart, but they're not supposed to be recording without masks. I I think Netflix is is in a death spiral. I mean, outside of its, I mean, outside Duncan Trussell's show and their, their, uh, their docs, it just seems like they got Viacom flu. And they're just doing all the wrong things that Viacom did, which is get way too political and turn people off. But, Michael, what's your thoughts on Bill Gates? I haven't been following him as much with all this stuff going on. I had a rough transition when this stuff got started. And it took me back to the 9-11 days. And what I remembered about after 9-11 is that there was nothing else in the news. So even if you wanted to distract yourself and watch Facts of Life reruns or some shit, you couldn't. Because it's just the same footage of the planes hitting the building. And it got to me. It did a number. And I'm certainly not alone. I mean, this did a number. I think all New Yorkers, obviously, that's not a very fun thing to say. 
So when this started hitting, I was just thinking about like self-preservation and trying to keep sane. And I have not been following the news anywhere near as much as I hope. It's especially because this is really a case where, like you see with the protests, the average person has no power. There's not even a pretense that like, we care what you think. They're like, look, we're going to do what we want. You're going to stay home and you're going to shut up. And that's the end of it. And it, it seemed like, all right, like I, this is something that I can't do anything about. It's the first time that they close the subways in forever, right? To give it a yes. deep sleep down. Uh, do you think New York's going to change? Do you think people are going to move out after this if it's not going to be the same New York? Uh, You've the been there since is, you were one. Yeah, it was fascinating because everyone's talking about like, oh, when we get back. And it was kind of like the underwear pants gnomes on South Park. It's like, you're talking about step three. We're in step one. What does step two look like? You're kind of hand waving it around. It's like, you can't have two months, three months of everyone at home and then just like, okay, back to work. Like those are people producing products and goods and services that we all need and, and people are getting laid off and running out of money. This stuff isn't can't just like you kind of snap your fingers and go back to normal. So that to me, that kind of hand waving, oh, it's going to be fine is crazy. Also, the idea that this isn't the movies. This is an outbreak where an hour into it, you're like, oh, shit, you just got to take zinc and you're fine. Any vaccine isn't a cure or like a pill in the show. They're still going to, even if it reduces it to just the flu, that's still kill, kill. Yeah, it kills a lot of people. So there's no possibility that we're going to go and it's, they're going to be reporting that everything's fine. That's not conceivable with even the cold. So it, it's, it's I, I don't know how New York is ever going to go back. I think a lot of people, a lot of jobs, this allows corporations to do things they would not otherwise have the cover to do, right? So if I had a huge rent in my office and now I got everyone working at home, I have an excuse to be like, we're shutting this place down, right? Uh, it's Corona's fault. It's not because my company was doing badly. And those kind of effects ripple and we don't know what they're going to look like, but they're not going to be fun. What about the restaurant industry? I don't think any other, we've never had a, in our history where an entire industry is closed for an extended period of time. Other than like baseball goes away, you know, then it comes back, but for seasonality, but to shut down all concerts, to shut down all restaurants. I mean, where are the, I don't know what's going on with those waiters and waitresses other than the one in Congress. You don't plan on moving out? You know, you, you uh, don't know anybody that's going to move out? I don't even know how to drive. I'm doing all right, but I mean, it's, it's doing a number on me. I'm not going to lie. That's doing a real number. But also, I'm young. I don't think I'm going to... I have no, literally zero fear. I've, my, Dave Smith, yeah. buddy of mine, I, we, could take, I, we could just pick it up right here. Uh, a good buddy of mine ran the numbers. Like, if you are a male my age in decent health, the chance of this being fatal to you are like zero or close to zero. It's like I straight think. people with HIV. It's like, it's so hard to get it. <laughs> right. I mean, like, remember they told, Oh, you're going to get it. It's like, unless I inject this thing into me, it's almost impossible for a straight male to get HIV. If you're, they if you're not doing drugs and you're not doing butt stuff. But they were injecting into people. It was in the blood, in the blood banks. That's yeah, the problem. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, All right, I'm back. Thank you. Uh, speaking of AIDS, uh, I want to talk about Dr. Uh, Fauci. Um, there's this big, uh, uh, there's a really powerful doc going. Real quick, before I get into that, what are your
your thoughts on journalism right now, Michael? I feel like we are in the golden era of journalism. Like we've, we've stepped away from the mainstream media and we've gone to this place where people like you, this podcast, if people listen to it, YouTube, uh, steam it. Like, you know, we got, we got Catalina Johnston, I believe is her name. Whitney Webb. These really great reporters, independent journalism, bringing the real stuff, giving us the smack. What's your thoughts on all that? I think it's amazing because conservatives will still tell you, oh, when I was a kid, they were decent and honest, and now they're all screwed up. It's like, no, you idiot. You just got glasses. It was always this way. You just didn't have someone on Twitter the second they're spreading a lie to tell you, no, this is a lie. We just saw this happen last week. There were articles that Florida reopened their beaches, and the photos they used to, with these articles were old pictures of people crowded. Now, and it was a lie, because why would, let's suppose we all went to the beach right now. Why wouldn't we do social distancing? It costs us nothing. It's a beach. It's not a nightclub. There's plenty of space. And they do this over and over. I think they did this in New York. They had a, show, a, a photo of Central Park. And my friend goes, yo, is this happening in Central Park right now? I go, none of these people have masks on even around their neck. What are you talking about? And they'll do this all the time. 40 years ago, 30 years ago, you would look, you wouldn't have a mic. You would sit and mumble to yourself, maybe annoy your relatives at Thanksgiving. Now you could go on Thanksgiving uh, on Twitter. You go on social media, YouTube, and you could be like, look, answer me this. And someone else would be like, I noticed the same thing. Now I could talk to you. Now I realize, oh, I'm not crazy. It's that I'm being trained to believe things that simply aren't true. Has the internet gotten away from them? Uh, you know, everyone thinks the internet was created so they could, you know, get us propaganda and that these very old people didn't realize that there would be a bunch, there'd be two things, pornography, the porn industry, and dudes who can't get laid that are going to use the internet to like just develop a skill that they maybe in the past would never have. It's always my theory. It's like, what if you're the Michael Jordan of something that's never been invented, right? Yeah, or hasn't been invented yet. Like, you're the greatest time-traveling hopscotcher ever, but because it wasn't invented yet, you now eat Doritos and do bong hits on your couch, and you're, you're kind of, like, useless. Like, what do you, has the internet gotten away from them? Oh, I, I mean, that's kind of such an, an obvious question. It's hilarious to see the extent, because the other this reminds me of, I talk about this in my book as well. In 1989 in Poland, right, they forced the, the labor movement, Solidarity, forced the communists to have elections for the first time, right? And they were so out of touch with the population that some of these communists asked each other, what do we do if we win every election? It's going to look like it's fake, right? They had the elections, they lost every single one except for one seat. So this is the same thing. They think, because everyone they talk to, that they're smart, that they're telling the truth. We're the good guys. No one's going to believe the blah, 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 blah. And as soon as they open the floodgates, you don't even have to say that they're lying. You just have to say, don't you think this is a little manipulative, this photograph? Don't you think when you're saying this is bombing in Syria and it's footage of a shooting range in Kentucky, that this is going to make people be like, wait a minute, what else are you being dishonest about? And there's an asymmetry. If I sit and tell you a thousand truths and one lie, that's, you're going to look at me as a liar. So it's a numbers game as well. So even if they are predominantly honest, let's pretend 75% of the time, 20, if someone lies to you 25% of the time, that's a bigger lie than anyone you and I have ever met. Did you see the, the new CBS uh, 
fake news they have coming out with the oh, yeah, they, they got they busted. People. Yeah, they got busted again. Like you say, how many times do you have to lie before we fucking don't believe them? Which I you know don't, that but guy keep- from Project Veritas an apology because when he was going after Planned Parenthood back in the day before I started really doing this research, I, I, you know, I thought that Planned Parenthood was there to help poor people. I really believe that. Now, later on, we start hearing like, why is there one on every corner in poor neighborhoods and all this shit? And I really, when he exposed those guys, I was like, oh, this guy's just a, a, a right-wing whack job, and he's just doing hit pieces. And then you realize that, oh, dude, like, yeah, it does lean right, but that doesn't mean he's wrong. It's like Tom Fitton from, um, who's going after, uh, I forget the name of his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going, like, yeah, he's going after the Clintons and Obamas, but that doesn't mean he's wrong. I mean, like, that's the bravest dude. I, both those guys are the bravest dudes out there. And I didn't mean to cut you off, XG. You want no, you're good. Support? I'm sorry about no, that. No, well, I was just saying that they literally had people that were nurses in their cars waiting in line to get a test that wasn't real. It was just, and this guy was literally asking the nurses, what, what did they have you do? We like, oh, we waited in line to make it seem like it was busy like the other day. And it was just like, again, just like they, they copied that Italian uh, hospital. How about the, the turkey... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they just, they just keep doing that shit over and over. And like you keep saying, they just keep lying over and, and over and we're supposed to believe them. And here's why they're full of shit. Let's suppose I'm a big organization that has a reputation, New York Times, CBS News, right? And I got some dumbass intern, and that dumbass intern takes footage from an Italian hospital and tries to pretend like it's New York. That makes me look really stupid. I am going to make sure to protect my brand and my trust with my audience that that shit never happens again. Now I got to be really paranoid. I'm going to take steps in place and be like, all right, this happened. What's the process? And how do we make sure the process for matching the footage to the story is accurate the next time? But that's not what happens. So at a certain point, you're like, you cannot be, have this many smart, educated people and be this simply incompetent. Do you believe that it is my opinion that the real money in the real money, we're not talking millions or billions. I'm talking most likely trillions over time, is God's gold, oil, drugs, sex trafficking. Then uh, this is Tim Fall Hat, so we throw that in there because we've done a lot of research. But that, to the point that they will destroy these smaller brands in order to keep what they believe is the propaganda to allow them to do these other things. Like, like for me, like television has fallen off so badly that they keep doing the same thing over and over again. You know, YouTube is a great example. We know YouTube's owned by Google, Alphabet, uh, you know, and they got rid of all these conspiracy pot, uh, uh, channels and videos that their, their actual their revenue dropped by like what was $50 billion or $80 billion on ads, but they kept doing it. Is it that it doesn't matter what the business model is? on these things that they're using because they're really making money in this other thing this is what's funny to me about conservatives is that they'll tell you oh these reporters are acting this way because they all need some clickbait and getting ratings it's like their ratings are going down if they were only interested in ratings and were soulless they would change their tune and their behavior in order to get those ratings that's not consistent with the hypothesis you're putting forward my view is that they have a you know an agenda of ideology and the ideology is far more important than any data or any profit. I don't think they're making some secret money on the back end. 
I think they they are anyone who is in power in a certain system is going to have an enormous amount of incentive to further that power. And you can look at it this way. No president is going to make that much money as president, right? So it's not about the money for these people. It is absolutely about uh, having that sense of power and being able to control things. Well, Michael, uh, we're coming to the end of our show. I want to ask a final question. Yeah. Who do you think has a harder gig? Uh, Hillary Clinton's social media guy or Bill Clinton's social? I mean, Bill Gates' social media guy because this woman puts out stuff and she, there's no way she's reading the comments on everything she's doing and she just keeps doing it like she's killing it. Like, I'm, like I'm crushing this shit. Yeah, but when Hillary will tell you with a straight face that the election in 2016 was lost because of Russian ads on the deep web and the dark web. It's like, if it's on the deep web, <laughs> dark. who's seeing these ads? What are, it's, called, it's not called dark because everyone's going there, stupid. But just even the term alone, you have no idea what you're talking about, oh, these ads on the dark web. So I, I think Hillary, I think both of their social media people have a very easy job. Hillary's is going to be even easier because they can point to all the comments and be like, look, they love it. There's a meme about you. Oh, Hillary, remember Hillary texting? That was a meme. Remember that? Oh, if they love you on the internet, you're like America's grandma, abuela. Yeah. Well, Michael. They had an article how Hillary's your abuela and they had to pull it. Look it up. He's the, he's the one of the best in the game with by far the best haircut yet. You might have some competition when I get my mohawk. Uh, one more time, uh, Michael, can you please tell them where they can find you? Michael Malice on Twitter, people. I'll see you there. Michael, I could talk to you for hours, but I got a jam. Thank you for spending a little time with us. Please come back again whenever you uh, feel like slumming, my friend, all right? <laughs> Great talking to you both. Guys, Bye. thank you guys so much. We'll see you guys soon. Take care. Wake up, Eric.